Welcome to CarePod, a safe place to educate, inspire, and renew the caregiver. Listen in with our host, Dr. Kipley Bell, as she interviews different experts along the caregiving journey. All right, so I am here today with Ms. Kayla Walter. Uh, she is a certified financial planner here to talk money with us today and to help us get our finances in order to help us along this journey in proper planning. So in times of crisis, in times of caregiver stress, when finances need to be tapped, when we need to access resources, uh, knowing how to plan accordingly, uh, especially for those of us that are in the sandwich generation that are living in multi-generational households that want to honor our elders, but also plan for our own personal and familial long-term planning. These are timely questions and in need of expertise and advice. So I am plugged in as well as the rest of our CarePod audience to uh, welcome you and to thank you for your time and input with us today. So welcome to the CarePod. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for so having me. So tell me about your journey. I, I love to ask my guests why. Like, what's your why? How'd you get here? How does financial planning make you bloom? All of these questions. Absolutely. Yeah. So I actually had no idea what financial planning was or what like a financial advisor was growing up. It, I wasn't introduced to like the field of financial planning until I got to college. And so that's one of my, what I like to call like divine moments that happened in my life. Cause I was just like, I'm going to school for finance. I don't know what I'm doing with it, but it's going to be something with money. And sure enough, I was approached by um, a woman. She was the, I think she was like the dean of our college of the, uh, our department of finance at the time. She was the head of the department of finance at the time. And she was like, hey, we have this program. You just take these classes and, you know, you'll be good to go to sit for this exam when you graduate. Now, I went to LSU. Yeah. Football is real big. Yeah. So she gives me this paper and she picked all of my electives for me. I'm like, this is one less thing I have to do. The only thing I'm trying to do is get in Tiger Stadium on a Saturday night to watch my boys play and beat whoever we're playing. And so I'm like, okay, cool. I'm down. I'll take the classes, right? So I get in the classes and I start learning about personal finance and all the other things that have to do with finance and financial planning and risk management and investments and all this other stuff. And I was like, wow, it was like a like mind-blowing moment. I was like, I did not know all of this was out here. And so then I'm like, I'm calling home and I'm like, mom, did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? And they're like, no, we, we didn't know this stuff was out there. So like most people who would be like, oh man, that was like my, you know, turning moment, like wake up moment. When my parent, when I found out my parents didn't know any of this and everybody else in my class, their parents knew, like, I just got pissed. I was like, what do you mean? You didn't know this? Like it's been here all this time. Everybody else's parents knew about this. And so I was like, okay, I have to make it my personal duty to make sure that this information is getting to where it needs to be because it's here. But if you don't know what to look for, you're never going to look for it. And, you know, that just goes into proper planning because I grew up, you know, I grew up in a small town, but it's not like my parents made terrible money. It was just, they did not have the wise counsel around them that could have literally shifted a bunch of things that they did. And my life would look semi differently now than it does. And so, 
the past is the past, but moving forward, it's like, okay, we can do better now that we So tell me, give me some better. examples of those things that we should know or that our, our parents should have known. What, what are some examples of that? Right. So when it comes to preparing for your children's education, my parents just thought like buying bonds was going to be, you know, like, okay, they didn't know there was a such thing as a 529 for saving for your child's education. They didn't know that there was custodial brokerage account or one that you could get for your children and start investing for them. You know, they didn't know these things. And also when it comes to like, like insurance stuff, the purpose of insurance, especially term insurance is, you know, holding it for the term in which it's stated, because that's the time in which you should be building wealth and aspiring and really kind of getting your, your wealth up there. When my parents were kind of like, you know, going through the time, my, my dad's former military, he retired, you know, my mom was working at a hospital, then switched into government. And when she left there, she was like, yeah, I'll just take the retirement check. There was no one there to be like, Maybe you should roll this over into something, or maybe you should be maxing out these, these accounts. You know, these is just information that they didn't have at the time. And now looking back, I'm like, just wow. Like, you know, so many things that, you know, just little things that could have been so differently because the amounts of money back then, you know, multiply that year over year, 10% compounding interest yeah. from like 20 years ago yeah. now. So what, what are your top five? If you said... You know, oftentimes I'll come across, you know, 30 somethings, right? Let's say 35 to 45. And maybe, you know, the interest when you talk about long term care insurance is not something that's on the forefront of our minds, right? But should be uh, because it's cheaper. But, you know, what would be your top five investment or money strategies uh, for your younger cohort now to prepare as they age? Yeah, so number one, if you're working a job where your employer, your employer does give you a match, always take the match. Like always get the match, it doesn't matter what you're doing, even if you're like, well, that doesn't gonna leave me with a lot, you can sacrifice a little bit now to get that what we like to call free money from your employer, especially if they're going to match it, like number, always take the match. Investing into a Roth, like putting some of that money away. So you have your pre-tax bucket and your post-tax bucket. You know, a Roth is also a very good vehicle that is so underutilized and a lot of people, you know, don't even know what to do with it. Insurance, life insurance as a younger person, because we all know the older you get, the more it costs. And especially if you have dependents. So, I mean, of course, there are all those statistics out there where people are like, oh, women are waiting, you know, longer to have kids and start families and stuff like that. But it's essential. Like you need you need some type of protection. And even if you are going to wait until you're 35 or 40 to start family planning, it's going to cost you a lot more at 36 than it is at 26. So going ahead and get that in place. Four would be estate planning such a morbid topic. Nobody wants to think about it. it. It's necessary. And especially if you have children and even as a single, because I feel like even most people, so like I'm single, I am not married, but you know, most people make the mistake of thinking, oh, if something happens to me, my parents will be, just be able to make decisions. And it's like, you know, legally they can't. After you turn 18, you actually should put in some, you know, like a, um, a healthcare directive or, you know, a power of attorney, because I mean, the doctor might as a courtesy talk to your parents on your behalf, but legally they're really not entitled to do that. So you want to make sure you have the, you know, having those directives 
in place. And let me see, lastly, emergency savings. It would definitely be emergency savings. Coronavirus and all of this has shown us that the amount of savings that people thought was going to sustain them was not was not it. So definitely having that fallback money, whether it be three months, six months, nine months, 12 months even, since we've been in a pandemic for a lifetime at this point. So definitely having, you know, that fallback cushion of money that you can access when you need it or when your industry gets completely shut down as we've seen it happen before. So I think great yeah, top those five. are my top five. So what do you say to the person that's like, okay, outside my Roth, outside of these pre-structured framework that will like force me to save, you know, what are some easy or fun ways to even instill in our children? Like I, you know, for instance, I see these teasers for the green light credit card or whatever, a debit card for your kid's picture and you show them, you know, financial responsibility, et cetera, and you control the debit card or et cetera, you know, these different marketing tools to train your kids that we didn't have growing up. Like I think of that college environment and going into the student center and there's every credit card imaginable and nobody taught you that, no, you can't charge $500 a month and expect to pay 10 for the rest of your life. You know, what are your non, I guess, structured ways or less stringent or ways in which you can control how you save besides a piggy bank, for instance, like what would you suggest? One way I would suggest is, you know, starting investing with children early. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, there are custodial brokerage accounts that you can open, you know, for your child and even opening college accounts for them to help them get started. And if you want to be teaching them savings at home even. Um, If you want to kind of give them a taste of the real world and kind of, you know, simulate it. A lot of people implement the, you know, here's your chores and this is how you get your allowance. I I grew up on an allowance. So, you know, that's one way. And then I know people kind of on the other end of the spectrum that I've been learning about. I feel like there's a difference. There's a difference in teaching your kids to work for money and teaching your kids to create something of value for money. And so, you know, while, you know, Montessori schools is like a really big thing and it's because, you know, they get their creative frameworks going, all of that stuff, you know, using that stuff. And it's like, well, what do you want to create that, you know, you can sell? I mean, yes. we have seven-year-old millionaires. You're absolutely you right. Now, You're right? absolutely right. You yeah. Know, utilizing what we have you know, at our fingertips and even like gamifying it. I know plenty of people whose parents probably didn't give them the option, but the option, but it's like, okay, if you can save this much, I'll double it. And what kid doesn't want it? Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, You're going to yeah. double it? my money. Okay. I'll, I'll save it. You know, and just learning how to, right. to gamify it. Um, them. I think that is more fun you know, to get kids started and get them interested in kind of exposing them to what a brokerage account is, like what compound interest. Yeah, I think that is I, that. what was key you said, it because I grew up like a worker base. So if I work, I'll get this. If I, you know, achieve this kind of ladder, I'll get this versus creating mm-hmm. that wealth for yourself and instilling that in your children. That's a great nugget right there. 
So transitioning now to, okay, now we have taken your top five or we're, you know, discussing these items with our nuclear family on how best to groom the kids in a different model to create wealth, et cetera. But now we're inheriting in the caregiving space a whole other dynamic of, you know, said parents who might not have had that model. So now we may be inheriting their debt or trying to get their finances in order or handling multiple household expenses, et cetera. What is your guidance in that in that space? Yeah, being in the sandwich generation definitely proposes other issues in which dollars may be stretched because now you're trying to take care of your own loved ones while also trying to take care of your your older loved ones and you know truth be told it's like when you're in it it's like okay now we're kind of like dodging yeah, the bullets as they come right of you know putting the armor on first and so definitely when it comes to taking care of your older ones i mean really it comes down to cash cash flow planning because at this point there's nothing to we're not investing for their care because we're already in it and so cash flow management is a huge deal and whether that be, you know, shifting some things around to try and make things work, it might have to be consolidating households, anything that you can do to kind of, to save. And then also getting in help, you know, if you can afford it, bringing in help, good, good help, putting them up, all these things that you can do for your older loved ones. But as someone who is in the sandwich generation, I believe the statistic is that like one in four people will actually need long-term care planning. So if you're going to look you know, your outlook, your uh, hereditary, like if you are set maybe to inherit, you know, some thing that may leave you disabled in the future or needing this type of care planning, you know, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Um, so thinking about things like that and even looking at disability while still working, because a lot, I think a lot of people think that disability insurance is all the same and it's not. Um, so if you work a high, you know, a high income job, you know, getting the most basic level of disability insurance is not probably the best thing for you because that's only going to cover like a very, very small portion of your income. So you kind of don't want to be like left out. You will definitely want to get someone who's knowledgeable in disability insurance so that they can help you get the insurance that is commensurate with your level of income because it's really not all created created equally. But definitely in the meantime, in this as you're navigating both raising and yeah. uh, raising yes. on both ends. <laughs> raising yeah. on both ends, really, as you're navigating it, you know, it's uh, definitely coming down to to cash flow management and figuring out, you know, how to not necessarily do more, but maybe it'll be to make more. And this is where getting creative, um, letting letting those juices flow, like, how can I optimize my time? What do I have? What can I do that can make the situation better for me and for my family in a way that, you know, doesn't make your parents feel like you're being a burden to them, but it also doesn't make your kids feel neglected at the same time because you're spending so much time caring for older loved ones and really fostering a, an environment of mutual need, mutual service. Because nobody wants to feel like they're a burden on anybody, but they want to feel like they're contributing, you know, to, to the situation and also, you know, figuring out a way to also get your kids involved to, to help in that and 
kind of making it really service-based and fostering an environment and atmosphere. What savings accounts do you suggest? Are there any, so when, when I think about my mom, for instance, on a fixed income getting X per month, you know, how I can siphon off some of that and put that in a saving situation where it's still accessible, still liquid, but it still has maybe a, a small potential to grow over time as well. Are there any savings portals or banks that you tend to favor? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a lot of what they like to call high yield savings accounts, and most of these are going to be found online. One very popular popular one and one that I even use is called Ally because they typically give you know a higher percentage rate than a traditional uh, brick and mortar bank, but it's also easily accessible right from your phone if you need to make a transfer couple buttons, it's back in your account like the next day or the day after. It's getting somewhere, sometimes like half, half, like 25 basis points more than what you would get at like a traditional. Okay. traditional Anything I might not have asked. Hmm. Let me see. I'm not sure. Um, well, I would say, I feel like we touched on, you know, quite a bit, but definitely if you're in the sandwich generation and your job does offer policies, don't depend solely on the policy that your job offer you. You definitely want to make sure you have something outside of that in an if-then situation, because again, it's better to have have the insurance and have the things and to care for you down the line and not need it than to need it and not have it, because these facilities and things cost a lot of money. Day-by-day basis. And Medicare does not cover yeah. a lot, <laughs> a very small portion. And as morbid as, you know, estate planning sounds, it is so very necessary. The one thing that is for certain is that we are all going to die one day. So we might as well go ahead and plan for it. You know, even for yourself and for your kids, you know, start investing, start early because mm-hmm. compound interest is really what kind of saves the day mm-hmm. at the end. And I, and I think, too, like you said, the trend is going towards taking care of our own in our own environment. So having the re- if the resources are there to take care of your said loved one, it's a yeah. no brainer. But if they're not, then you're putting yourself in a worse financial state to have to turn in, you know, a home that your elders have worked their whole lives for in exchange for their own care, et cetera. So yeah, definitely good point there. And the earlier you start, the better, because it's like one less thing that you have to worry about. So I'm thankful, you know, in like my family that I have uncles um, who are very, very smart people who've already got that set in motion for my grandparents. So we kind of already know what the deal is. Like we already know there's a trust there. We already know what the will says. You know, all of this stuff is to be expected. There's no not going to be any, you know, bickering, fighting, arguing, because we already know what the plan is. And so when you are able to go ahead and construct the plan while you are in the land of the living, yes. in the right mind, and you kind of that getting that preparation started minimizes so much on the back end. And that way, when the time does come, you allow your loved ones to properly grieve you instead of having to be the strong person and handling all of these details that were never straight. So do you sit with families to kind of be that person to nudge, to say, eh, I think we need to do this, that, or is your service more one-on-one individual planning or you offer, you know, tell us about your offerings. Yeah, absolutely. So from a financial planning standpoint, with all of our clients, we like to make sure that 
there is a level of estate planning and not that we execute those documents, but we do make sure we like to have meetings with our clients to kind of go through all of those questions that an estate planner would, estate planning attorney would ask so that they can have a, they can go into that meeting productively because we know Um, so you want to make sure you step into that meeting prepared to save yourself, number one, some time and some money. So that's kind of how we handle, you know, like those, those situations. And also when it comes to financial planning, doing financial planning from a family, family basis. And so inviting, you know, your adult children in, especially as you get older to kind of learn, this is where I'm holding my money at and all of these things. So that way you're not searching for passwords and trying to get into it. So family planning is also another big issue when it comes to financial planning. Now, I have had an experience with clients who do not want their kids to know anything and they'd much rather just have us know. Um, And then when the time comes, be like, well, you can tell them, but don't tell them how much is, you know, in it and stuff like that. So, you know, it's really per client because, you know, you sometimes you come across people who are like, nope, I don't want my kids to know anything. Then also on the flip side, you sometimes have, um, you know, those kids who who don't want anything to do with their parents. And so, you know, it really is kind of based on the family dynamic that you absolutely know. Well, if you want to connect with Miss Walter, it's Kayla, K-A-Y-L-A, Walter, W-A-L-T-E com so that you can connect and handle your business, get your house in order, and just be at a place where you have somebody that sits across from you and you can be comfortable in a non-judgmental space to help navigate this whole climate that we find ourselves in, wanting to, to save, wanting to, to be proactive in our long-term planning, both for ourselves, our family, and those before us, right? So, yeah, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for hanging out with us at the CarePod. And uh, we'll connect soon. Great information right from the source. For more information on how to caregive like a boss, check out impactfulcaregiving.com. Want to be a guest on the show? Contact us at CarePod at impactfulcaregiving.com.